In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending December the 2nd, where rains here in the southeast this past week had not come at a better time, arriving at the peak of a fall-long drought period with more possible. But according to a story from Rod Bain, drier conditions could head even further south and east, and that's due to La Nina. The latest U.S. drought monitor captured a snapshot of the southeast drought at its peak, just before beneficial rains began to fall earlier this week. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. We were looking at topsoil moisture that was 100% very short to short in Alabama, 98% in Georgia, and 81% in Tennessee. At the same time, we saw pastures rated at least three quarters, very poor to poor in Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. And four southeast states reported extreme drought conditions of 60% or above in drought. Rippey says in addition to much-needed rains that have fallen in the region since Monday... We have a much more significant and widespread rain event. It will come as a steady rain, a soaking rain. It won't come with the severe weather and thunderstorms that we saw earlier this week. And we could see another two to six inches of rain all throughout the drought area of the southeast during the weekend into early next week. Rippey says the primary drought concern areas correlate with the La Nina weather pattern, meeting weather conditions along the Mississippi Delta and drier conditions heading south and east towards Florida. I do think we'll see some improvement across the interior part of the southeast, but maybe a shift of that drought as we move through the winter down towards the Gulf Coast, Florida, and the southern Atlantic region. A broad pain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Well, a special master reported by the U.S. Supreme Court finished hearing arguments this past Thursday in a high-profile legal battle about divvying up water in a river system shared by Florida and Georgia. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that special master Ralph Lancaster said he could rule by Christmas with the dispute thing going back to the Supreme Court. Well, this week, the Georgia Department of Agriculture suspended the Georgia Dock Chicken Pricing Index while companies adjust to new requirements to prove data accuracy. Meat Industry Publication Meeting Place had reported the continued gap between Georgia dock prices for chicken and other industry indexes follows the recent filings of lawsuits accusing the entire chicken industry of fixing prices. But Julie McPeak, Chief Communication Officer for the Georgia Department of Agriculture, explains how the index works and that improvements are being made to it. The Georgia Dock Price has served as a voluntary tool for the industry to assist them in measuring trends for over 40 years. It is our responsibility at the Georgia Department of Agriculture to report the data we've received from the companies consistently and accurately. The Georgia Dock is a voluntary tool available for the industry to participate in and use as a price demand indicator. It's very different than a spot market index that is being compared to very often times. The spot market price and the index in its current form are two very different calculations, and a number of factors could play a part in any inconsistencies of volatility. The primary factor for the incongruence of the reports published out by USDA and Ernerberry are that they are representative of an entirely different marketplace than that of the price collected for use in the calculation of the Georgia dog price. The Georgia dog price utilizes prices that are directly tied to poultry sold on a premium contract. This contract marketplace makes up more than 90% of the poultry sold in the U.S. In recent years, there have been a continued and growing trend of poultry purchase office contracts, further highlighting that the spot market cannot and should not be used as a measuring tool for the entire poultry marketplace. 
The contract marketplace ensures that buyers have continued access to the poultry at a pre-negotiated price. The primary reason the contracts are in place are for both the buyer and sellers to hedge against the rise and fall of input prices. Historically, poultry has remained a relatively stable market. The Georgia Department of Agriculture is working to improve the Georgia poultry market news and the dock price, and we hope that the further improvements will continue assisting our industry. Well, in other news, USDA's latest peanut stocks and processing report was released this past week, and Tyree Springer reports that peanut stocks and commercial storage as of the end of October is down 8%. USDA's stocks and processing for peanuts has been released for the month of October. Peanut stocks and commercial storage as of October 31 was 4.14 billion pounds of peanuts, farmer stock equivalent. That compares to 4.5 last year. That is down 8%. The totals also included 3.57 billion pounds of farmer stock. That is up 6.9% from last year. Shell peanuts on hand, 547 million pounds. That's down 3%. Roaches stocks, 19.3. That's down 60.6% compared to last year. Shell peanuts were 411 million pounds. That's down 3.1%. Oil stocks, 27.9 million pounds. That's down 21%. Edible stocks or shell peanuts by type, Virginia's 70 million pounds. They're down 27.7%, but runners is slightly up. It's mainly grown here in Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. Runners are up 2.6%. Stocks and processing from USDA on peanuts. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Kathy Isom fills us in on the fact that experts are concerned about the rising population of deer. During the fall and winter months, there's typically an increase in deer populations in lower elevations as they search for food and habitat. Terry Mesmer of Utah State University Extension says this also means a greater chance of motor vehicle accidents when deers end up on urban roadways. Many of our urban areas in large metropolitan cities actually constitute some ideal deer habitat. And during spring mating time, deer population in these urban habitat can potentially double by the fall and winter. More mouse to feed and more deer that have come into contact with the urban environment. So these circumstances together in concert work to create kind of a perfect storm where they put deer and humans on a collision course that can translate into increased damage. As well as an increased chance of disease transmission. Deer are known to carry ticks that could infect humans with Lyme disease or other illness. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Greiner talks about dairy farming. I don't see where any industry is more labor-intense than farming. And if you measured the labor input of all agriculture, dairy farming would be at or near the top. Dairy farmers have to produce a crop just like any other farmer. But then there's a herd of animals to take, be taken care of. Cows have to be milked twice a day. And nothing produced on the farm is more subject to volatile up-and-down pricing than milk. Farmers don't sell milk by the gallon. They sell it by the pound. Prices can vary between $15 and $25 a hundred pounds in one season. Not just milk, but cheese, butter, ice cream prices all have impact on the price the farmer receives. And then feed prices can and does impact the profit and level of any dairy farmer. Like any class of farming, dairy farmers are on a roller coaster ride. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.